Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, the advertising podcast where we take a little stroll around the world's marketing, media, TV, technology, and pop culture because in the end, for the love of God and baby Jesus, everything's an ad. I'm Doug Zanger, Adweek's senior creativity editor based out in Portland, Oregon. David Greiner is off this week preparing for his 13th Ironman competition. I'm kidding, but... It, whenever I fill in, I, I have to throw something at you, right? Right. Uh, well, I'm very excited to welcome to the show from the Mothership in New York two of my amazingly wonderful colleagues. We'll, we'll do intros a little bit differently this time. So I'd like each of you to introduce yourself and then tell me one. Th- it's like an icebreaker. Tell me one thing about you that people may not know. So, Sarah, let's start with you. Hi there. My name is Sarah Jurdy. I'm the digital media reporter here at Adweek. And my favorite animal is a beautiful, glistening hippopotamus. <laughs> They're so cute. Aren't they? Wait, <laughs> now, where, where did that come from? I, I, please, please that, expand on that's that. That's my fun fact for you. They're, they're just my favorite. I love how their ears twitch when they come out of the water. And uh, they don't actually swim. They just float along the bottom of the water. Um, those, are, those are just <laughs> some interesting tidbits for you. <laughs> no, I like that. I like that. No, that's good to know. Uh, so for the holiday uh, secret Santa, uh, I, I know what potentially to get you, which, which is good. Yes. All right, Lindsay, moving on to you, please. All right. I am Lindsay Rittenhouse, staff writer, agencies beat. And something you probably don't know is I'm missing the left fibula bone in my left leg. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, that's that's a, a fun and intense fact uh-huh, about you. Yeah. Works great though, my leg. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. I, I'll I'll leave it at that. No no pithy comeback on that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's get to the news. Let's start off today. A little shameless plug about the upcoming issue, which focuses on the weed, <laughs> cannabis marketing. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a bit. Lindsay did a great piece on it that uh, you will have for your reading pleasure in the magazine and online as well. But. Let's start with Brand Week. This was our first big summit happened in Palm Springs. Oi, was it hot. I mean, was it? It was a schwitz fest, like 105 degrees. Um, Three days, really fun, really intensive, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really interesting. Sarah, you were there with us. I'd like to start with you. What were your initial thoughts about the three days in Palm Springs? I mean, it was definitely intense, but I think there were a lot of good discussions, especially... um, from some of the brands that we saw on stage, something I noticed sort of over the course of the three days was this stress of uh, brands having to have an emotional connection with their consumers. We heard from Bumble and Casper um, to Away and Dollar Shave Club talking about how they have gone out 
strategically to make that special connection with consumers, whether that means boosting their social media team or to releasing additional material like magazines to do that. Um, that was definitely something that I took away both from what we heard on stage and also with the individual discussions that we heard off. Um, and I don't know if you picked up on this too either, but I, I was overhearing some just really great candid conversations among everyone there. They seemed to really want to bear it all and, and share some of the experiences and misses that they've had from uh, this year. Um, on stage, Target CMO Rick Gomez made that point when he shared sort of something that didn't go well with Target and uh, an experience they had from that and, and sort of on stage explained what they could do better next time. And I thought that was a great conversation to have and to get the discussion going um, about how brands can do better as we approach these hot button issues in this interesting news climate. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the one thing that I noticed, and I think the three of us can agree, we do the circuit <laughs> a little bit. We we go around and we, we see plenty of these conferences. We see plenty of CMOs uh, and marketers. But the one thing to your point, Sarah, was it, it felt like that there wasn't as much stress. It felt like that the marketers and the CMOs felt as though that they were in a really safe place. And and it's not like CMOs go on stage in other places and, and don't exhibit candor. But you're right. It just it felt like it was just a slightly higher level of breathing a little bit more. It felt as though, you know, I'm I'm among more peers here. And I think I'm just going to let this thing fly. So again, we see the familiarity of listening to marketers and CMOs on stage, but I think it did take it to the next level and I thought it was really valuable. Mm -hmm. um, and I did like the misses too, because you can learn a lot from the successes, but uh, you grow as a company from the things that you do wrong or the mistakes that are made, which I thought was really good. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, Kevin Hart was good. I thought Kevin Hart was really entertaining. What did you think of yeah. him? Yeah, no, he was great. Um, definitely sprinkled a little bit of comedy in there, so it was great to have him to sort of kick off that three-day event. Uh, seemed to really jazz up the crowd, too, talking about all of the, the new slate of program that he has coming out. And I didn't realize, but it, a lot of it looks pretty funny. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think? No, I thought it was great. And I, I did, to your point, the energy, I think the energy level throughout the three days there was was really strong. Because we're positioning this less as a conference and more of a movement so that marketers can learn from each other and move forward together. And I think that when you bring somebody in who's at that level, they make they have preconceived ideas about you know who they are or how they approach things. But I think in the, for, for quite a long time and in, in more recent history, you're seeing a lot more sophistication with A-list celebrities in the way that they market. You know, it's not just their people. They're, they are becoming more savvy and are able to take a level of control in what they're doing and and help build their own personal brand and then also just build their brand overall and be and it, it can be quite profitable um mm -hmm. so I, I thought that was a, a nice peek behind the curtain as well because you now there's still plenty of a-listers out there that go to my people please please go to my people i'll sell anything and i thought it was good mm -hmm. that kevin really talked about authenticity. And I, and I know that that's a word that we throw around, the, the A word. Uh, but I honestly felt as though that, that he got that point across in, you know, in, in a big way. Um, yeah. Bozema St. John, always a highlight, right? Yeah, she was great. And that, I of all really the discussions that played out on stage, I really enjoyed hers. Um, because, I mean, to her point, it's not a matter of um, when we're going to have 
or if we're going to have mishaps, but when, and talking through the crowd about what to do when you have these crisis situations and a brand makes a mishap uh, and where to go from there. I thought that was really valuable for the crowd to hear and building off of the discussions that we had had previously throughout the different um, breakout sessions. Uh, where do brands go when they do make a mishap? It was great to hear her perspective. And she's such a, a lively person too to have sort of leading that discussion. And that was great to watch happen. Yeah. And Tiffany Warren is, uh, Tiffany Warren is one of the funniest people that I know in this industry. <laughs> she really is. Oh my gosh. She's awesome. Oh my gosh. She's so great. And, and I think that makes a big difference. I mean, I think Danny Wright, uh, who leads, uh, awards, honors, and events at, uh, at Adweek and is a managing partner. He did a great job with Kevin Hart. Um, but Tiffany, I, you know, I've, I've seen her on stage and every time I'm like, I'm like rubbing my hands and going, okay, what do you got for us? But she, she did a great job with that. Um, I, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I know, um, it, the discussion itself was pretty funny, so I think it's worth watching and we're going to have video up from it, um, on the website later. So if you haven't seen it yet or didn't have the chance to be there in person, you should just definitely check it out because it was I, a pretty I, good, valuable discussion. I like, I like a good shameless plug. I like a good shameless <laughs> plug. Um, so we talked, to, we talked about a few things, but was there one thing that stand, that stood out to you? I mean, for me, it was Casper. I thought the CMO of Casper, I thought he was, I thought he was great and what I really appreciated. Uh, so it's Jeff Brooks, formerly of huge, uh, I really appreciated the fact that they are they are becoming advocates for sleep as opposed to just a mattress company. And I think that's a very clear distinction. And in such a crowded space, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think if you're watching a little late night TV, you might see 70 mattress store ads. Uh, mm-hmm. But they're clearly, and even in the direct-to-consumer, you're seeing a lot of brands pop up, but it feels like that they they are the clear leader and they, they know what they're all about. Was there anything that uh, stood out to you that just like a tiny bit, you know, tiny bit above the rest? Well, I mean, I, I completely agree, and I'm looking forward to Adweek bringing a nap room to the New York office here. Amen, uh, yes. <laughs> um, but I also really enjoyed Jen Rubio from Away um, talking, a l- again, pulling the curtain back and showing us a little bit of the strategy when they first launched the company and how they've grown it. I loved hearing about the magazine that they put in each of the different uh, luggage when they're, when they go to consumers and how they expand the brand that way. Um, I think it's fascinating brands who are turning to print, um, to, to sort of expand their brand and connect with consumers in that different way. And I loved hearing from her and another shameless plug for you, Doug, uh, she was also on the cover of our Brand Week magazine that was Excellent. distributed there at the event. And uh, thanks to our brands team for really putting that out because that was another great addition to to the event. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Uh, one thing that I did want to point out as well. So before I went to Brand Week, I was at Ad Color in Los Angeles. And... I was there for a couple of days, and uh, I do want to give Tiffany, uh, again, uh, the founder of Ad Color, uh, just huge props. Congratulations. It was a, an excellent event. The, the keynote speakers were fantastic, including my friend Ebro, who you might know from Hot 97 and Beats 1. Uh, very entertaining, but also very informative panel. Uh, but I think that the highlight for me was the keynote uh, given by Mark Pritchard, who's the CMO of P&G. You'll be able to read that piece uh, on the site. Uh, and I, I don't want to give too much away, but l- let me put it to you this way. Again, a lot of us go to several events throughout the year. We see a lot of the same people over and over and over again. We hear a lot of the same things. So in the case of, of Mark Pritchard's keynote, he the, the front end of it, he talked about the talk and he talked about the other initiatives with P&G, which are all outstanding. 
But here's where it was a twist. And I, and I know that people know this, but this was the first time that, that I had been exposed to the fact that part of Mark's heritage and a deep part of Mark's heritage is Mexican. I did not know that. And he went into a very personal account of that, what it meant to him, the struggles that he had, the barriers that, uh, you know, the, the, the barriers that could have been there. But it was a really touching story. And I've said this to a few people. I've always had a deep amount of respect for Mark Pritchard. After that speech, I have a great deal more admiration for him as well. So definitely something worth reading. And uh, if you get a chance to hear Mark talk about his story, it really is amazing. Let's move on to a little more news. Uh, Lindsay. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. How do, this company's name now. Oh, for the love of God. Uh, VML and Weiner. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. VML, okay. VML, this is like the clunkiest acronym. We'll get to the clunkiness of the acronym. So <laughs> yeah. Y&R and VML have merged to create VML, mm. Y&R. Vimly and R. Yes. <laughs> we'll Vimly and R. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> kind of. So 7,000 staffers. Uh, VML Global CEO John Cook is going to lead the company. Uh, they're saying that the reason for this merger, uh, we'll go ahead and use air quotes here, the unique challenges facing WPP's creative agencies. And you can read into that saying they're not as profitable as they possibly should be. So shared clients include Colgate, Palmolive, Dell. Dell. You got to get a Dell, dude. Or is it, dude, you got to get Adele. I'm trying to get my 1990s advertising in there. Uh, Pepsi, Wendy's, Pfizer, and Ford. So, Lindsay, give us the breakdown on this one. Uh, it's it's big news. It is big news, but it's um, news we expected. Um, you know, it's, it's no secret that traditional legacy creative agencies are under a lot of pressure. You know, they need to reinvent themselves. So I think pairing a creative agency with um, a digital household name as VML is, is a really smart move. Um, and I think it signals kind of Mark Reed's strategy. And I think there's going to be definitely more mergers like this. Um, I think John Cook is a great leader for um, this particular merger. Um, he was with VML from the start before WPP bought them. So he went from managing 30 people to 3,000. Now he's going to manage some like 7,000. Um, I think he's going to do a great job and I think it was a right move. I think the one thing that people might take from this is that VML is um, taking over YNR and um, that YNR is going to be like folded into VML. I talked to John Cook and he said that's not the case, but just because of the name, um, I think it kind of suggests, and the fact that John Cook is taking over, it kind of suggests mm -hmm. that, but, um, you know, according to John Cook, that's, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it is interesting Sarah, do you have anything to add about what's going on? Because, you know, WPP is obviously in its transition period right now and new leadership. And it's really, let's face it, it's hard to turn that big of a ship on a dime. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that in one of the views that I've heard from people is, is the company itself felt very confusing. So this level of simplification of things is actually helpful. And, you know, th there's the other side of the argument of, well, all these legacy advertising agency brands are going away. Does anybody really care about that anymore? <laughs> I, you know what I mean? I, don't think I, so. I, yeah. I mean, not to sound crass about it, but you could probably change the name to something else. And I, I think, I think they will in the future. 
Sorry to cut mm-hmm. you off, but I think they will in the future. I think for right now, they just don't want to make it seem like, you know, I don't know, YNR is being folded into VML. So I think putting them together maybe conveys that they're just, it's really a merger and, you know, I, I don't know. But I, I think in the future, they're going to have to do a name change, definitely. Just to build off that, I, I mean, legacy creative agencies as well as legacy media companies, um, I mean, this is the year of mergers and acquisitions, it seems, and I'm interested to see how they really reinvent themselves in the new year. I think that's going to be really important in terms of messaging and just reinventing yourself um, and what that looks like. So I'm curious to see how that develops. Yeah, I mean, Mark Reed has the big shoes to fill, obviously, yeah. and he needs to, I think, show it uh, – within the next few months, like how he's going to really change WBP and make it his own. So, well, I would, I I understand that, but I would also argue that Mark Reed is, is very smart, but he also has a lot of very smart people with him along the way. And I think the one thing about Martin Sorrell is that he was sometimes bigger than life. And I think it'll be interesting to see what Mark and company does with this, because I think that that, certainly there's pressure on him, but I also think that he's got such a talented team with him that six months from now, this will be an interesting discussion because it's still too early to tell, but I'm going to be really interested to see what moves they're they're going to make. And I think that you're going to see a lot more people in WPP, especially at, at the higher level, uh, have an impact on the direction of this company. And I think it's, honestly, I think it's going to be very positive. It's just, you know, there's, there are the, there's one side of the equation where people say, oh, Martin Sorrell's gone and this, that, and the other thing. But I, I think this will be a story six months from now. So I guess we're marking this now uh, that I'd be interested in taking a look at to see, you know, what, what they've done and where, where they think it'll head. So let, uh, now this name though. The, the name of this. The name, I know. B-M-L-Y-N-R. <laughs> yeah. Not cute. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a bit much. <laughs> it, it's totally a bit much. It's It looks terrible. It reads <laughs> terrible. But, I mean, they had, I guess they just wanted to make it seem like it's a, it's a merger, nothing else. Didn't want to come up with, so, oh, John Cook actually did tell me. He was like, we could have come up with, you know, some digital innovative name and then it comes <laughs> off hokey so i guess you know i, well, I mean were, i think they, they were the future, halfway they're there there are no vowels in this so they're halfway <laughs> yeah, there they are that. yeah <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> like many tech companies there will be no vowels in our name mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So at least we've gotten there. We've gotten there. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, it's a very interesting piece. I encourage everybody to take a look at it and uh, yeah, weigh in. You know your thoughts. You can you can be the cynic or you can be you can be like me, sunny side up Doug, the optimist from the West Coast. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see where it all lands. All right, Lindsay. Thank you so much for that. All right. Let's move on to ads worth watching. All right. We are moving on to ads worth watching. Let's start with something from 72 and Sunny and 23 and Me. And I think it's worth taking a listen first. So go ahead and take a listen to this. Meet your genes. Listen up. I'm a gene that impacts your muscle composition. BTBD9 here. I could influence how much you move your arms and legs in your sleep. I'm a twitchy little gene. We're two of the genes that may impact your risk for celiac disease. We have a gluten situation. I'm linked to a Neanderthal trait. Lactose intolerance. Caffeine consumption. 
there's a whole world of genes just waiting to meet you in over 90 genetic reports at 23andMe.com. Okay, now, that is an interesting way to sell, uh, what do we call these, genetic kits? What, is the, uh, gene- what are we calling these nowadays? Are these? Gene- I, I really don't know, but I guess that's that's yeah, a good I think place to start. <laughs> genetic kits, yeah. yeah. Sure. That doesn't roll off the tongue. It's, it's very VML, Y, and R-ish. It doesn't really roll off the, the <laughs> <Yeah>. tongue. <laughs> Um, no, what I, what I like about this though, is that you are starting to get into a much more crowded field and the whole idea of personifying something can sometimes work and it can sometimes be just awful. In this case, the aim is to help understand the data points that uh, are revealed when you examine your genetic makeup, which is the sleep one, the sleep one with like, we move 13 times an hour when we sleep. Oh my goodness! Uh, but I thought it was really interesting. I, I, I think it was it was fun, and that is definitely a way to get um, get past the clutter of it. And I would argue that Twenty Three and Me probably has the inside track uh, inside track on share of at least not necessarily share of voice, but consumer acknowledgement and consumer understanding. Um, what did you guys, number one, what did you think of the spot? And then overall, what, how do you think it fits into that strategy? Um, I think the spot was great, uh, really funny. And I think it's setting up 23andMe as kind of a household name. Like you said, they're definitely the leader in their category. Um, I'm, I'm not even sure of who their competitors are. I'm sure there are some, um, but I, I think, you know, previous ads kind of explained what they do. Now they're coming at it with like, this is our brand. This is what, you know, they're they're taking a stand and um, just evolving into new territory. And I think it's really, it's a smart idea, you know, to also showcase what else they do. Because before that, I thought, I thought it was more about like ancestry, finding out what you're, where you're from, you know, mm-hmm. but it is, you know, gene testing and stuff. And it's, it's cool. I, I think it's a good approach for them and kind of sets them up as a household brand. I also thought it was nice how they sort of broke down the science of the what can be complicated, you know, DNA breakdown mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and made that in that fun way. It also reminded me a lot of um, that Pixar movie about the different emotions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Inside Out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, representing them, Joe, just like. <laughs> thank you so much. But representing them, you know, just like that colorful, playful way, I, I thought it was really cute. I love the celiac disease one. The guy's like, immune system, we have a muffin coming in. <laughs> so funny. I like the kicker of, yes, orzo is a pasta. <laughs> 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 Having grown up in an Italian family in New Jersey, I can sympathize with that. I can sympathize uh, with that. New Jersey, that's me too. <laughs> yes, that is a different podcast and a different episode. <laughs> of that. Um, yeah, and I, and I think, again, I think that something that could be perceived as very utilitarian, it can be eh, maybe a little scary. You know, it's like, uh, yes. you know, not, not 100% sure. It, it diffuses that a little bit. Um, yeah, and, and I think this is a smart way to do it. I think it's definitely a smart way to do it. And really, honestly, 23andMe throughout their brand existence has, I think, done a decent job of being non-intimidating because that it could be, it could be highly, highly intimidating. But uh, I think it was very well done. Kudos to 72 on that one as well. All right, moving on. Did you guys watch this one yet? 
the what we're going to talk about it. Yes. The okay. Well. All right. So I'm not going to say anything, but I'm going to let people take a listen. So have it. Put your ears to this gem. Dear young people, don't vote. Don't vote. Everything's fine the way it is. Trump, that was us. He's our guy. Tax cuts for the rich? <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm rich as fuck. Climate change? That's a you problem. I'll be dead soon. Sure, school shootings are sad. But I haven't been in a school for 50 years. I can't keep track of which lives matter. Sure you don't like it. So, you'll like some meme on Instagram. If the weather is nice, maybe you could go to one of those little marches. You might even share this video on Facebook. But you won't vote. You young people never do. But I do. I do. I do. Midterms, primaries. Every single election. We'll be there, but you won't. Because we're a generation of doers. Not whiners. And we're doing great. Okay, that, my friend, is what you call a political ad. <laughs> Scaring the living bejesus out of people. Uh, so the organization that is funding this is called Acronym, and they're dedicated to getting Democratic candidates elected. The ad came from Nail Communications in Providence, Rhode Island, the home of our fearless brand leader, Christina Monlos. Uh, I think she's very happy about the fact that this was coming out of Rhode Island. Um, yeah, I, honestly, the ad speaks for itself. There is a constant gulf now between baby boomers and the millennials. And the millennials don't like the baby boomers and vice versa. And I thought this really captured the essence of that discord in a way that was, I mean, it was funny. Let's not, you know, let, let's not uh, say that it's not. But damn, I mean, it's it's kind of like, no, this is really, the, the, this is the truth. This is the kernel of truth. Um, I'm Gen X, so I can't, I, I, I'm not qualified to, <laughs> to really say anything other than, I mean, uh, clearly I will vote. Uh, but you two are among the millennial set. <laughs> Let's, uh, what, what did you think of the ad? And not necessarily just the creativity, but the, the impact that you believe it'll have. Um, so I don't know if you agree, Lindsay, but I didn't love the ad. Um, Ooh! I, I do agree. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Ooh. Yes, I felt like it was a little condescending. So condescending. Oh. Yes. And and plays into this idea that the seniors are out of touch. Yep. And mm -hmm. I know plenty of seniors who who right. are for you know climate change and everything else. I think it sends a really bad message. I think it does too. And I further think that it leaves no room for dialogue about these different issues. Mm -hmm. There's no room for discussion about you know where we might be able to meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, it did not motivate me to want to you know run out and tell others to vote. It kind of pushed me a little bit further away and said, well, they're clearly non-negotiable issues uh, among the subset, so I don't even want to get involved. Yeah, um, and I think it plays into, like, how divisive, like, our right. politics have been lately, and it's like, do we need more of that? I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, I think wow. millennials are, you know, younger people are are intelligent enough now. I mean, and, and I know there's, there's a problem with getting them out to the polls, and I don't <laughs> understand that. I always vote. But... Um, 
yeah, I, I just don't think this was the right approach. I, I get it's funny, and I get where they were coming from, but it, it does. It plays into bad stereotypes. It's I thought so, too. Yeah. And there wasn't much uh, diversity in the spot itself. That mm. was just something I noticed as the different folks were coming on screen. Um, but I completely agree. I think now the political ads that do well should focus on bringing us together on these issues or at least something that fosters a conversation about where we might be able to meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, yeah, playing on how how – apart we are in some of these things just didn't do it for me. Yeah, and I think a lot of the ads this year have been very harsh. Like the, <laughs> what was it, uh, David Brill's ad against his Republican opponent in Arizona where he got the siblings to come out and everything. Yeah. That was, right. I mean, that was great, but it was harsh. I was yeah. like, wow, it just it, it speaks to our politics today. Yeah, it really does. Well, I, okay. These are all very good. <laughs> I, 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 Sorry. I didn't didn't expect this to go this way, but I'm glad it did because um, here's my thinking. So um, you're right. the The fact of the matter is, and there's research that backs this up from Civic Nation, is that a majority of people meet in the middle, and the polarization is actually a small subset, yet they control share of voice. So my argument for this ad being good is that it plays to that. And I think that what what the ad is trying to do is is articulate that there really is that much at stake. And we talk about the next generation coming up. We talk about how we need to transition from something that's been in place for decades. And I'm at the age where, uh, you know, I've, I've seen all of this firsthand. Uh, but it's, it's bare knuckles time now. So it feels like that there's no other. I, I, I think that we have, I don't think we're going to be looking back at this point until we get some level of stability and some sort of just being back to where we were, I think this is what we're we're going to keep seeing. And I think that to your point, is it mean spirited? Yeah. I mean, I, I could see that. Now that you guys explain it, I, I could totally see that. Um, but I also think that when you start talking about things in the middle, that doesn't necessarily motivate people. So it's interesting to hear that this doesn't motivate you to vote. Um, but my guess is, is it probably is getting people's attention. So there's got to be some insight in there that the agency hung on to that made them go this direction. So, you know, we're not in a, we're not in a very uh, chivalrous or uh, civil society at the moment. So it's uh, it's you know the gloves are off. The gloves are off. So I think an ad that would bring us back to a sense of for lack of a better term, normalcy, um, an ad that showcases that we can meet in the middle would would stand out more than this strong language that we're hearing from both sides right now. Yeah, but don't, but don't you think that it, people have tried to go into the middle? I mean, you know, the 2016 election, it was all about trying to bring people together. And mm-hmm. that, didn't, that didn't work. I mean, the election itself was treated like a coronation as opposed to an election. And it, I'll, I'll say it, we lost. <laughs> So it just I guess it, it depends on what side you're on. Uh, I mean I, yeah. I I mean I voted for Hillary. I mean I, I voted for Hillary. Um I mean think about where I live. Um but <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Um, okay, well, I, th- this could be a much deeper discussion, but I, I think that's a very interesting take on it. One that I did not necessarily expect. I was expecting you guys to be like, oh, yes, we're going to... The b- most important thing here, however, is, and I think the three of us can agree, you got to vote. And yeah, that, yeah. Absolutely. So, that is the most important thing. <laughs> and so, the, so, so to the point of that, where is their work or campaigns that can change consistent behavior among this age group that decides that they don't want to vote, especially in midterm elections. So that's another, another podcast for another time. But I think this becomes something where you have to consistently change the behavior instead of these quick flashes. But I understand where, you know, everyone, everyone's trying to get to the finish line here. But I think uh, an agency or an organization that can crack that code, then that'll be, that'll be really interesting. Anything to add before we move on? I don't think so. I don't think so either. You sure? I, 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 think you, I, I do I, think there's a lot to pick through for another day. Um, maybe uh, down the I line. mean, I like the ad, obviously, and I'm, I'm on their side. I get what they were going for, right, but, right. you know, it's just, it is. It's, it's, it was, I, I felt like targeting baby boomers, really, and making them seem like idiots was just a wrong kind of way to approach it, but that was just me. I don't know. I no, I completely yeah. agree. Completely agree. Gotcha. All right. And now we will move on to this week's big discussion. All right, we are talking about, seems like it's the darling of conversation right now, uh, cannabis marketing. It seems to pop in and out of the marketing consciousness. So let's do some numbers here to tee this up. So uh, there's an expert that claims that cannabis will become a $200 billion industry with $100 billion of that eventually concentrated in the U.S., probably half of that on the West Coast, uh, <laughs> once legalization, the, the, the caveat there being that once legalization hits the federal level. So cannabis is now legal for medicinal use in 30 states in D.C., nine states, including my state in Oregon, which legalized it in 2014, and Washington, D.C., have le- legalized it for recreational use. Now, here's where it gets a little bit sticky. Regulations around advertising cannabis are determined individually by state. So there's some complication. Uh, there's a digital component to this. You, you, can't th- you can't throw up the ads on the Facebook. Um, and marketers really in most states can't show cannabis being used in ads. Uh, so let's, let's talk about the, um, you know, let's, let's talk about this article because um, there, it's, still, it's still really early in the game on this. Lindsay, take us through what you learned um, and, and you can get into the weeds a little bit, but start us from the top of the funnel and get us down to where, where it, you know, the importance for marketers and marketing in general. Okay. So top of the, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, it's interesting. You said it's a little early for this conversation and I, I do agree. And we have this discussion even like on the editorial side, if we were coming into this a little too early. Um, but I think being ahead of the game is better than being someone who jumps into it when it's already moving. Um, I, it's interesting. It's an interesting time because Canada, you know, their, their law that's going to make, uh, cannabis legal nationwide is coming into effect on October 17th. And we're really watching that country to see what happens. So they have similar regulations right now as in the U.S. So a lot of things around packaging, um, it can't appeal to children, which, you know, that's that's going to be hard to do. 
Um, there's things like you can't show it being used in TV spots and ads, any ad. Um, and, you know, so they've been following those same rules. And now when October 17th hits, we're going to see the rules solidify, see what they're actually allowed to do, marketers. And then that'll give us an indication of what's going to happen in the U.S. too. But I think like right now, it's really about just building your brand. So MedMen is a great example of that. Right. Um, you know, they have all of those, obviously, dispensaries and they, they're um, really, they're an up-and-coming brand, really just one of the leaders in the space. But um, right now, so they went through three different ad campaigns recently. The first one was called It's Legal, and it just got out the information that, yes, weed is legal in these states, you know, whatever, giving out that basic information. Next one, Forget Stoner, was trying to get rid of the the stereotypes, the negative stereotypes around who is using cannabis. I mean, right now we know Baby boomers are really interested in cannabis. Um, there and, are and kids. they vote. Yeah, yeah, and they <laughs> vote. Yes, <laughs> and there's uh, there's kids who are prescribed CBD for medical mm-hmm. reasons, and CBD is without THC, so it's not getting them high, um, or at least you know low levels of THC. Um, and then there's there's uh, you know mother millennial moms are are another big consumer of cannabis, but they feel. Awkward. Um, I heard from one expert that they feel a little intimidated by going into the typical dispensary mm. as it's set up now because, you know, frosted windows, kind of you're leaving with the baggie, you know. Right. So it's it's not a comfortable situation to go into all the time. It's a little outdated. So MedMen, what they're doing is really building up their their brand and um, – just, you know, having this this store that looks more like an Apple store. It's inviting. Come in. Mm-hmm. And now their third marketing campaign is now in California. It's just cannabis. And they're really showcasing this fire red logo and the bags you carry out and really just trying to make MedMen in your in your thoughts, in your mind to get it, you know, spread the awareness of MedMen as a brand. So even if you're not showcasing the actual product in ads, you know, you're setting yourself up as a household name so that when legalization happens and, you know, there's a dispensary in New York, New York's one of those states that's probably going to legalize it soon. So they're in a good position where they're, you know, they're ahead of the game completely. So, uh, yeah, does that answer the question? (laughs) No, no, no. No, I think it's interesting (laughs) because when legalization started out here, the the natural inclination for the marketing community is to attach something that already exists to it. So in marketing, we hear a lot of, well, we want to be the Uber of this. In in the uh, in the cannabis community, what I what I've been hearing is, well, someone's going to become the Starbucks of cannabis. <laughs> and to your point with MedMen, the Apple of cannabis. Um, but you you have that layer, and then you have all of these independents that you know they get the punny names and you know sh- somewhat shady locations like you had you had talked you know talked about. So this becomes an interesting push and pull where you know you have this audience that you know really wants the product, and when you look at somebody who looks professional or is a baby boomer or is a millennial, a millennial mom, it, you know, how are you, how are you serving that? So I think it is, again, it, it's a conversation that's been happening, but really early in the sophistication of it. Would you agree with that? 
Oh, yes. And another thing, too, I'd like to point out is, you know, the cannabis user, you know, like I said, it's everyone. So who is your consumer? It's about finding out who your brand is. Heavy Grass is another good example of a rising cannabis company on the West Coast. And, you know, they they're targeting the music lovers, those rock and roll culture. Mm. You know, they just that's what their niche is. And you really have to find it because are you a medical marijuana brand? Because that's going to be completely different than recreational. Are you in the health and wellness space? You know, you right. it's it's very complicated right now. And there's so many player players like it's a crowded marketplace already. And it's not even legal nationwide. Right. What, what I find interesting is looking towards the future. Some of the names that pop up, you know, mm-hmm. Constellation Brands, yeah. uh, you, you know, and, th- and then you start hearing people like, well, Coca-Cola is going to get into this or, you know, so-and-so is going to get into this. What do you in the future? What do you perceive will happen as it relates to bigger lifestyle brands like that? Oh, everyone's going to get into this. I mean, it's going to affect CPG. Had we get into it? Are we going to get into it? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. Hey, you never know. Okay, <laughs> no, sorry. but I mean, a lot of companies are going to get into it. It's going to be beverage companies. It's going to be CPG. It's going to be uh, pharmaceutical companies. You know, you have to. Mm-hmm. Everyone's looking at this space right now, um, and I think you can see that through you know Constellation Brands uh, behind Corona and Sveca and how they're. Um, buying this, they they invested four billion dollars in Canopy Growth, which is a big Canadian mm-hmm. cannabis company. So it's just mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see, and it really shows that. I mean, it is. It's going to be it's it's going to be a big you know um, disruptor. You know, so if you're not thinking about it, you should be. Mm-hmm. What what are you hearing? Because you'd mentioned the four billion dollar investment. That's more into grow and manufacturing, and probably less about retail, right? Yes, for now, but I think they're set. They're kind of setting up, you know, a way for them to get into retail when they can. Is what I took from it. Okay. Well, I suppose if you control the growth, mm-hmm. if you control the means of production, that probably gives you much more of an inside track. Yeah. Which again, when it's legal, you know, you have these, you have the top tier, and then you'll have these independents that, you know. Who who knows who knows what will happen? It just it seems very um, it, it seems very confusing because if you go back, I guess it's analogous to alcohol. If you think about it, yeah, I mean, and there and there still is, you know, there still is a black market for cannabis and marijuana. Um, so the, you know, those are, I, I, last I checked, I I don't know of any people that moonshine, you know, that that uh, that bootleg booze. So. It'll be interesting to see how this, I think the regulatory side of it is probably the most interesting because that will likely dictate how sophisticated this industry actually becomes. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, what what sorry, else go- stood out to you as, as you were as you were researching this and writing it? I guess just, just really the creative um, really stood out to me. It's how creative mm. can you be in this space when you can't show things and they're doing, I think, you know, brands are doing a really good job in navigating that. Um, Fireside is a really great example. They have this ad online where just a bunch of like millennials walking through the woods and it easily could be for like an outerwear, you know, company. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. um, then you see the little, the little Fireside like package, like in the screens and stuff. So once they build up their brand, um, and gain that brand recognition. That'll be a good ad. But it was it was good. I'd like um, 
I talked to um, the agency behind that ad, Virtue, and mm-hmm. they were saying that their thought was fireside. You know, it, it evokes this feeling of like um, a togetherness and everyone's sitting around a fire and enjoying each other's company and laughing. And that's kind of what you get from smoking a joint for <laughs> lack of a better you know, way of saying it. You know, um, so it really evokes the, the, the feeling you get when I think a lot of people what a lot of people use marijuana for. So I think the creative has been really interesting and seeing the different ways that um, ads can come out and really navigate these strict regulations. Virtue is Vice's agency, right? Yeah, but you know what? They're very clear about it. it's um, it's owned by Vice, but they don't do the marketing for Vice. They're a separate entity. They have their own clients right. and everything, yeah. Right. Sarah? I was just going to say, Lindsay, I'm interested to see, too, how these different creatives work to bring down the stigma associated with marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like that might not be an issue in some circles. Um, I think it's still an issue, mm-hmm. um, but it's getting better. It's mm-hmm. definitely getting better. I mean, even seeing the amount of uh, baby boomers, like I said, being interested in this um, and and going into dispensaries and how it's just – it's it's – I think the stereotypes are being broken down. I think there still is work to be done. We still have, you know, Jeff Sessions coming out and talking about it as like a gateway drug and everything. And there's still oh, hell, it's, yeah, vodka's vodka's a gateway drug, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> more so than weed. I know, um, but yeah. So there's still negative stereotypes, and that's kind of what MedMen was doing with their one ad about forget stoner and having these all different kinds of people, um, you know, in their ads. So I think the stereotypes are being broken down, but there's there's work to be done, I'm sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how all this shakes out. Oh, my God. I, I didn't mean that to be a drug reference. <laughs> you know what, what shake is. Yeah. Uh, and, and brief aside, to every person in Las Vegas that walks up to me and says, would you care for some kush? The answer is no, but thank you very much. I, I appreciate it. For some reason, with my long hair, they think that they can just sell me whatever. Uh, but that's, again, th- we've had several opportunities to say that's a different podcast for a different time. Yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> it's exploring Vegas now. I got I to gotta go to Vegas. I'm just kidding. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a good field trip for us. Well, we are out of time. But, hey, I want to thank you guys a lot. This was a lot of fun today. I know we covered a lot of really funky ground and we went in a lot of different directions. I love the Discord on the political <laughs> ad. Yeah. I was not expecting that, but boy, was that a mitzvah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the millennials, we sure keep you on your toes, don't we? Yeah. That's, you know what, Gen X, we just, we just kick along. We just kick <laughs> along. But hey, seriously, guys, really appreciate you joining us today. It was really great having you. And we appreciate everyone out there joining us. Our theme music is by home. This episode was edited by Lane McGibney and produced by Anya Fernando. Please take a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast love. Those reviews do mean a lot to us, and they also help new listeners discover the show. You can also email us your feedback, podcast at adweek.com. I'm Doug Zanger with Adweek in Portland, Oregon. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again next week. <laughs>